We are joined right now by a beat writer for the L.A. Times, covering the Lakers. He also served as national NBA writer for the L.A. Times as well. He also served as the Clippers beat writer for the Orange County Register. He is a good friend of the program. He is Dan Wojcicki. Dan, good to have you back. What's going on, Dan? How are you? Jim, I'm good. It's always good to hear from you. You too. Appreciate you doing it. So before we get to the Lakers, Dan, you know the league as well as anybody, so I want to get your thoughts on what we saw last night. A wild, wild night in the association. Joel getting his, Cat getting his, his coach losing his mind, even KD having a night but getting lost in the shuffle. What were your biggest takeaways from a wild night in the association last night? Yeah, it's funny. So I was doing TV here in LA last night. Um, you know, on, on the Lakers uh, RSN, and um, the the scores are coming through. And, and I turned to Mike Bresnahan, who used to be the Lakers beat writer for the LA Times. And my initial thought was like, I don't know if you can build an NBA team around defense anymore. <laughs> it just seems like there's just too much size. There's just too much skill. I, I think it's not a coincidence that the three players we're talking about are all over six foot eleven. I mean, really, Kevin Durant, seven feet tall. So you got three just gigantic players um, with the ability to score at all three levels, with the ability to go to the line. Like, I was watching Joel Embiid in that game, and it was like, I mean, like San Antonio's defense was comical against him, right? Like, I mean, they didn't have a prayer. Um, he could have shot a 1,000 free throws in that game. And, and it was, to me, that was my initial sort of reaction was that this, like, the quality of offense in this league is so, so good right now that it's either going to take some level of rule intervention or some defensive genius to figure this out, or, or we're going to see more games like this, maybe not 70 and 60 on the same night. But, I, I mean, I think the skill is only getting better. I think you make a really interesting point about we may need to see a rule intervention. Hey, listen, I love the offense, but I can't lie to you. I'm kind of caught up in the drama of a team trying to get their guy the record and totally disregarding the coach, and then the coach melting down afterwards and calling the team's effort defensively disgusting and then playing immature basketball. What did you make of that whole scene? Well, you're not. I, this is you're you're speaking to a very big Chris Finch fan. Me too. Oh, no, I let no, uh, Let me be real clear about this. Sorry to interrupt. I love him. Absolutely yeah, love you, him, and I love yeah. his reaction. Go ahead. Yeah. No. And I think it, what it does is, I mean, it it is sort of the Carl Anthony Towns story in a nutshell, right? Which is like this is a player whose talent has never been questioned, ever by any evaluator around the league, but like who people like sometimes wonder about his toughness. They wonder about what he does towards winning. And on the night that he has the best game of his entire NBA career offensively, his team loses to the lousy Hornets. Um, you know, the coach lights into their effort. Um, he disrupts winning. He disrupts um, just everything with, like, you know, what Chris Finch called, like, selfish basketball. Um, sort of a perfect microcosm of, like, the, the pitfalls, I guess, around Carl Anthony Towns. He's one of those players that comes up a lot when you talk to – GMs and assistant GMs about like who's the big name that could be on the move at some point in the near future. Um, but these are the reasons why like there aren't like a ton of people out there salivating. Um, it is stuff like this. Like he's good enough, good enough to score 60 and bad enough to get you beat on the same night, apparently. Dan Wojcicki joining us. So where does that leave them? Like his reaction, do you think that Finch was upset because he told them, hey, come on, man, stop doing that? Or was he trying to send a message? Like, like lo and behold, they are the best team in the West right now. They yeah. are on top of the West. Is that like him trying to interrupt some pattern? Like, guys, we're not having that. This is not what we're about. Yeah. We're in the midst of something really special. Yeah, that's what I think it is, is that this is sort of like it is the time to put childish things behind you. Like, we are good. 
We are really, really good. And these are the kinds of things that get you beat down the road. Um, you know, losing to Charlotte in January, like, won't define the Minnesota season. Um, but losing to the eight seed in, you know, late April, early May will. And, and so what you're trying to do is you're trying to take a team that has never really wanted any real clip. You know what I mean? They had the experience last year playing Denver in the playoffs, but, you know, and going through, I guess, the play-in tournament. But, like, it's never really, like, won in, like, an all-capital letters type of way. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to take that team and you're trying to say, like, here, like, let's get, like, let's start working this now. Let's accelerate our process. Our window is open. We are no longer building. We are there. So, like, let's not screw it up. Right. We're there as long as we don't do things like that. Dan Wojcicki is joining us. So you'll be covering the latest battle for L.A. tonight between the Lakers mm-hmm. and the Clippers. A couple of teams going in opposite directions. James Harden, Dan, did not bring his fat suit and drag them down. Quite the opposite, actually. They've been climbing up the standings since his arrival. Are you buying the Clippers as legit championship contenders? I am. Uh, I think, Jim, you know, it's funny. I was not a huge proponent of the James Harden trade at first because I didn't really – I thought he was too, like – there's too much duplicity in terms of guys who needed the ball and, you know, different things like that. But, like, they've really gotten into a rhythm that isn't just sort of like, all right, James Harden, you go for six minutes. All right, Paul George, you go for six minutes. Like, they're actually playing, like, pretty good team basketball. Um, they have a lot of size. They have a lot of wings. They have um, shooting – defensive versatility they have size um they have a championship level coach you have a championship level star in Kawhi Leonard um I know what James Harden's issues have been in the playoffs before but this is the most firepower he's had around him since he was on the Thunder um like yeah I I, you know I was wrong I was like flat out wrong about it I think um you know it was a great trade for the, the the Clippers they didn't give up a lot to get it done and um, they're in excellent position. Yeah, listen, I think most of us felt that way about Harden, and most of us were wrong, and you're right. They, they're playing really good ball. Let me ask you about the Lakers, because, Dan, they've mm-hmm. been scuffling of late. Is it that dreaded in-season tournament title hangover that so many teams before them have suffered from, or yeah. is it something else? Yeah, I mean, history has shown, Jim, if you win that in-season <laughs> right. tournament, your wallet just gets too fat. It's, it's too hard to jump. Um, it's funny. you know. Everybody a, wants to get paid after they win that thing. That's right. That's right. You know, everybody's a little high on the hog. I, it, it, it's, you know, these sound like excuses, and, and like, in isolation, they all are. Um, the in-season tournament did take a lot out of them. Um, they played very hard. Um, good for them. It was fun. It was a good trip. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching. enjoyed covering it. Um, but it also came at a time when the schedule was brutal. They were traveling all the time, like in this weird way where they were gone for four or five days in the Midwest, home for two, gone again for six days, home for two, um, you know, traveling alongside the team. Like it was exhausting. I was exhausted and I don't do anything on the road. Um, certainly don't, don't exercise. Um, and then I think, you know, thirdly, like the teams they were playing were better. Their schedule got harder. Um, you know, you mentioned Minnesota. They played them twice in that stretch. They played the Thunder twice in that stretch. Um, Philly's in that stretch. Boston, um, you know, Dallas is in that stretch twice. Like, they played a lot of really good teams and didn't have the, the right energy, didn't have the right mindset, didn't have the right urgency against those teams. Um, I think, though, that all of that being said, it did expose some of the issues with this roster um, and kind of the fact that they've left a lot of found money on the table in the, in the sense that, 
you know, to date, LeBron James and Anthony Davis have both been relatively healthy. I know LeBron won't play tonight with the ankle injury, but, you know, these guys have been on the court and they've played really good basketball. And, um, you know, 500 probably isn't good enough to show for how good, particularly how good Anthony Davis and how reliable he's been. Dan Wojcicki, my guest. Dan, leave me with this thought. I mean, there have been reports that the players and coach, Darvin Hammer, are not on the mm-hmm. same page. There's some sort of disconnect there. You're around that team every single day. Do you see any of that? Yeah, I mean, but I think it's hard to know, like, how much of it isn't just losing, right? Like, I think that's always the type of thing, is that when teams lose, fingers get pointed in a lot of directions. And um, during that last month, like, everybody was a very unhealthy, a very unhappy place to work. And I think that everybody would tell you that, um, you, you know, you do have this kind of, you know, dynamic where you have Darvin Ham, who, you know, is still a new head coach, relatively speaking, and you have an experienced team with expectations coming off of, um, you know, a surprise run to the Western Conference Finals. Like, I don't think anybody expected them to be in this position, uh, certainly not internally, where they're, they're back in this play and hunt, they're back talking about major roster changes and different things like that. And, you know, there's been frustration. There's been frustration with the rotations and frustrations with the changes in starting lineups. Um, and Darvin Ham's defense, a lot of that has to do with injuries, but also a lot of it's had to do with indecision and like kind of trying to figure out the right mix of guys. It's, it's been a lot of things, Jim. I, I kind of tend to tell people that I don't think complex problems have simple solutions. And it's sort of like, this is a team that needs to get right on a few different fronts. Do you think, and Rob Polinka did a great job, Dan, last year of reshaping that roster on the fly, can he make or do you expect him to make any dramatic changes before the deadline? I think they're, I think they're going to be active. Um, you know, I, I do think that it, it'll be tough. You know, DeJounte Murray is the name um, that I hear most. Bruce Brown is another one. I do think DeJounte Murray is, is a, would be a significant type of addition, um, not just for this year, but for like kind of the foreseeable future in this team. But we just saw today with the Terry Rozier deal, you know, that that's a first round pick to get Terry Rozier with Kyle Lowry. D'Angelo Russell's contract is not expiring. Um, he has, you know, a player option for next season. So, you know, you're gonna need to Atlanta doesn't want that. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to attach something to that to get him somewhere in addition to whatever, you know, Atlanta's gonna want for DeJounte Murray, who's certainly I think a tier above um Terry Rozier. So the price might be too steep for the Lakers. I don't know. They they've talked They've, they've had really substantial discussions. I'd imagine they'll revisit them, but I think the market's going to have to come back to the Lakers a little bit and closer to the deadline. Hey, Dan, i got about 30 seconds. How's B. Arthur, the dog? Oh, Jim, he's great. Um, still, still a total spaz. Um, real bad anxiety issues. But, like, what do you expect? You named the dog after a golden girl. Like he's going to have mental issues. Right. He is a Lakers beat writer for the LA Times. He served as a national NBA writer for the paper as well. Also covered the Clippers for the register. He is Dan Wojcicki. Dan, thanks so much. Great to have you on. That was fun. Jim, I'll, I'll make sure Mr. B knows you were asking about Please him. do. Please do. I'd appreciate that. All my best to Mr. B. He did name his dog B. Arthur. <laughs> Dan Wojcicki.